heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Growth Junkies Podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Kent, and I'm joined by Mr. Ben Boast over here, sitting across from me as usual. And we are coming back to you kind of as a part two. In the last episode, we were talking about fear, and we're sort of dealing with a subject that needs to be talked about before we get into the Mega Life book that we've been promoting and sharing with you. We have a brand new book called Mega Life, How to Live Without Fear. And the whole idea is how to confront what is unhealthy fear in our lives. But before we get into unhealthy fear, we wanted to talk a little bit about what is healthy fear, good fear. Fear does serve a purpose. So if you're interested in learning about that, go back to the last episode and tune in, find out what we consider to be healthy, good fear. But now that we have that out of the way, we want to get into what is bad fear? Dun, what is dun, dun. unhealthy fear? You know, <laughs> the fear that we're, we want you to overcome, the fear that we want to equip you with tools to be able to confront and to find victory over is the bad fear that controls us, mm-hmm. imprisons us, mm-hmm. ruins our joy and our happiness. Yeah. And, and and this book, we shared this in the initial episode that we started working on this book uh, two years ago before the pandemic even hit. Yeah. And, and part of the reason we wanted to talk about it was we observed in our line of work, we observed that a lot of people, if not all of them, are motivated, if not paralyzed by fear. Fear is a problem. And we would even say that fear is the problem beneath the problem. Yeah. So like if we look at the pandemic and we look at what that did to people, we look at um, the politics and how crazy that's been the last couple of years, the racial tensions that have been stoked the last couple of years, all this stuff has really fanned these flames that really are about the underlying fears that we have. So we believe that the real pandemic, the real problem in the world is fear. Yeah. So let's deal with the real problem and specifically unhealthy fear, bad fear. Yes. The fear that really ruins the quality of life for us. It keeps us from taking risks from seeking out opportunities, Mm. from enjoying good, healthy relationships, from experiencing success in life. From exploring things. From exploring all that life has to offer. Fear can literally rob us of all of that. And here's the thing about fear. There's a healthy amount of fear, but when there's too much of it, when we let fear control us, when we let fear play a primary role, it mm-hmm. actually becomes unhealthy. Yeah. So like, for example, um, we teach our kids to have appropriate fear of strangers. <laughs> Stranger danger. For right? good reason. For good reason. Strangers can be really dangerous. Mm-hmm. So we, we instill in our kids from an early age that you should really not talk to strangers. Now, that's necessary and important, even more so today, to instill that in our kids. But it'd be another thing to basically every day drive into them how dangerous everybody else is. All people are bad. Fret over everyone. Don't trust anybody. Mm. And if you overdo that and you overinstill that fear, it goes from a place of respect, a healthy respect and a wariness, to a place of almost... Um, 
imprisonment emotionally and relationally to where they they can't even form good relationships. They can't even trust Mm -hmm. anyone at all to conduct life with. So they live a life of paralysis Mm -hmm. that we've created by overemphasizing what was originally a good, healthy fear and we made it bad. Yeah. And there's a, there's a phenomena happening in our culture in ways that this is playing itself out. Culture, culture, media, advertising, all those things that are continuing to perpetuate the idea that the world is a scary place to be in. Mm-hmm. Like there's a healthy way of injecting this and learning about it when you're young growing up, but then it can go too far. And we've seen that happen oh, yeah. in many ways to where people are just afraid to live life. Like in the last episode, we talked about my son learning how to drive. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a, a phenomena happening where people growing up are just growing up without the desire to drive. Like they're, they're like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Looks dangerous. Because they're taught to be fearful of everything mm-hmm. and to be afraid of everything. Mm-hmm. And it creates this looming sense of danger and evil and yeah. pain and harm in their life that all they're trying to do is avoid that. Yeah. So if if driving can be dangerous <laughs> and I might experience pain or evil or harm or something there that's really, really bad, I'm out. I'm not going to do it. And so you see more and more kids not wanting to learn how to drive. And I think if I gave that option to my oldest son, he'd probably fit in that category. But we're like, no, this is something you need to learn. That's right. This is a part of growing up. There is So in driving, there is a healthy degree of respect and fear you want him to have. But you don't want him to be so freaked out that he's unable to fulfill the function of life. Yeah, how did we get to the point where people just go, nope, I'm out, I'm opting out. Right. <laughs> so this a case in point would be a couple episodes ago, I talked about my fear of spiders. Now, it may be irrational, you know, but the, <laughs> I, I don't like spiders and I have good reason because of my traumas, okay? But, <laughs> so I don't like spiders, but what, what if I live my life constantly in fear that I won't go into a room because there could be a spider in there somewhere? So therefore, I'm afraid to enter into any context where there could be possibly something I'm afraid of there. Yeah, you'd never go to sleep. You would never. You know who I'd be? Charlie Brown. (laughs) Charlie Brown, who's afraid of everything. Mm. Constantly afraid of what could happen or what we call, in our book we talk about this, the what ifs. Yeah. Always thinking about what could happen. Now, here's I remember reading research on this, that there was a professor in a university in Florida who did some research on what we worry and fear about. And we spent a lot of our energy fearing things that actually never happen. Yeah. We're always worried about what could happen if. So here's the thing. The reality is we should worry at times about things that are happening. Mm-hmm. The thing is, if your house is on fire, you should be afraid. <laughs> you should put it out. Especially or get if out. you're in it. Absolutely. But not to spend your life always being afraid that a fire could come someday. Right. And then live paranoid of what could possibly happen. We need to live our lives in a way that is balanced and healthy. So we have an appropriate level of fear or respect for the things that are happening in our lives, but not always dwelling in the what ifs, Mm -hmm. what could happen. So what happens then? fear becomes something unhealthy. It becomes controlling. It becomes um, abusive really to us because it dictates how we spend our lives and the choices that we make. Yeah. So we want to talk about the fear of the what ifs that creates this paralysis in our lives, not just of the things that could happen, but the things that may not happen. So for a lot of us, we're afraid, and we talk about this in the book a little bit, 
of not just what could happen someday, but what may never happen. What if I never get married? What if I never find my dream job? What if I don't get into the school I want to get into? And we worry and worry and worry about things that may or may not ever happen. And to that point, I I think there's one thing that I would introduce people do need to be afraid of. Uh, And that would be believing certain things that don't work. Mm, Okay, explain. Ideas like... um, for example, there's a big idea these days that, and we've talked some about this, that you need to find a job that you love and something that you're passionate about. Mm. Now, here's the thing. I'm all for that. Mm. I think if you can, great. Mm. If you experience that in your life, that's a luxury. It is a real privilege to, to get find, paid to do what you love. Exactly. To yeah. find something that you love to do where you've right. understood yourself and your design and your skill set and it fits you and it's enjoyable to go to work and work doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. That is a privilege and a luxury, mm-hmm. but it's not a necessity for living life. Mm-hmm. And I think many people today, especially in the next generation, mm-hmm. walk through their days fearful, I think with that unhealthy fear, mm-hmm. that they're never going to find something they love to do. Mm-hmm. Well, who says that that's how that idea works? Maybe it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can actually find something that you moderately like to do or don't really like to do at all, but you make a living. Or you can learn to like it. Right. Right. And it contributes to building a stable life. Yep. Which is proven to show that stability is something that actually makes people healthy, Mm. helps them enjoy life. Mm. So... Maybe you're fearing the wrong things. Yeah. So let's ask. Can we just ask our listeners, ask the growth junkies out there, what are you afraid of? <laughs> like, what are you afraid of? Stop and think about this. What are you afraid about that could happen to you? Yeah. So like, you know, a mugger could, could attack you or your house could burn down or you could lose your job. Like, what do you worry about that could happen? Then what do you worry about? that will never happen. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't happen, you'd be devastated. Yeah. Those are two kinds of fears, separate, but two kinds of fears that are both debilitating and will rob us of our life now. Here's something I've learned, Ben. I, I, I've, I've been, I was a pastor <laughs> for a long time and I talked to a lot of young couples. I was a young adults pastor and I can't even tell you how much fear goes into finding my soulmate. Oh, yes. What this if I can't find my soulmate? Everything's it's either I can't find my soulmate or what do I do if I do find my soulmate? How can I commit? The fears are overwhelming to yeah. people and dominating and they spend so much mental and emotional energy worrying about this all the time that they're missing life now. And that's kind of what I was getting at is I think there are perspectives and ideas and way we're taught ways we're taught to think about life. Mm-hmm that cause us to be fearful of things in ways that we wouldn't otherwise. Right. And it's important to be able to think about those things rightly and handle fear. Marriage, for example, Mm. you should have a reverent awe of marriage. A healthy respect. Exactly. A healthy respect for it. Uh, But I don't think we should fear it in a crippling way. Mm -hmm. Some of it, I think, comes down to what we expect it to do for us. Or the model, like when we approach it and start thinking about it and and how it's designed and uh, how you're supposed to engage it. Now, if your ideas about it are off and you believe it's supposed to do something for you that it's not actually designed to do, Mm -hmm. that's going to be unfortunate. Yeah. And so I think people look at like, for example, they look at marriage going, it's supposed to fulfill me fully. Mm -hmm. How will I ever find someone that can do that? 
Yeah. You might end up being fearful about getting married, like that you choose the wrong person. Or some people maybe come from a broken home and and they say, I don't want to ever get married because I see where it goes. So I'm afraid of that commitment because it always ends up being a broken relationship. Yeah. It's just not worth it. So there you write it off and say, I'm never going to get married because I don't want to end up like that. So you're living in the what ifs or the what if nots. The fears control you. And I would I would argue this, Ben, mm-hmm. that so many of us are really driven by our deep fears. Mm. It's either fear of what could happen or fear of what maybe won't happen. And we make our decisions. We choose where we go, who we spend time with. Everything is driven by a fear. So we're not being driven out of joy or happiness or fulfillment. We're driven over things that scare us. And so why live life in a reactive mode like that Mm -hmm. to where you're always living in prison, honestly, Mm -hmm. to all these woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know, things in life. When in reality, what if you're able to make your decisions not based in fear, but based in, and and here's the word, here's the word, Ben, love. Mm. So we really talk a lot about love Mm -hmm. at the Love and Transformation Institute. We believe it has great power. Mm Mm-hmm. So something we talk about in the beginning of this book is about like, what is the most powerful thing in the universe? Mm -hmm. I would think a lot of people practically believe that fear is the most powerful thing in the universe. And they probably have good reason, you know, they think in life to to believe that. They do. Maybe they operate out of it. I mean, it is the operating mechanism of their lives. Yeah. It drives them. Everything is driven by fear. Yeah, because something will, right? Something will drive you mm-hmm. that is the fuel. Yeah. And you have some say in what that can be. Fear that government wants to take something from me or that my neighbors don't like me or my family's going to betray me or my spouse mm-hmm. is going to not be faithful to me. We, we, we are driven by fears. And I think if we're going to get honest about this, we all are afraid so deeply afraid and it affects our decisions. So here's a thought. What would life be like if you were unafraid yeah. of all those things? Yeah. What would life be like? Just stop and imagine for a second. What would life be like for you if you weren't afraid of all the things that could happen or may not happen? Yeah. And you just lived. That's what we want for you. That's why we wrote this book is to be able to show you some ways to give you what we think are actual tools Mm -hmm. to be able to live free, to be free from fear. So it doesn't enslave you. You don't have to make your decisions that way anymore because I don't know about you, but I'm tired of that. We live in a (laughs) world in which fear actually is a weapon. It's used against us and Mm -hmm. people actually use fear to control you. I mean, we talk about media, we talk about mm-hmm. politics, we talk about racist stuff. Mm-hmm. All of these things are being used to scare you, to, to force you to do something mm-hmm. or not do something. So not only being free from your own fears, but being free from manipulation of fear. And if you want to be free from those things, part of what you have to do in the outset is to understand what it is that you're really talking about. I know I've said that a few different times in this in previous podcasts or this podcast, but that's our strategy right now in these last two episodes is what is it we're actually talking about? And you said something a little bit ago about happiness. And mm-hmm. at the end of the last episode, I, I made a connection between 
respect and reverential awe, which would be healthy fear. Which leads to happiness. Which leads to happiness. Right. It helps us to be able to enjoy things Mm -hmm. by handling them appropriately. So the right amount of fear produces happiness and joy. And likewise, not having too much fear produces happiness and joy. Right. And unhealthy fear, we actually say this in Mega Life, fear kills enjoyment. That's right. It will kill your happiness. The wrong kinds of fear. Wrong kinds of fear. Will create obstacles and barriers and stand in your way from actually experiencing the kind of life that is available to you. That's right. And that's unfortunate if you allow fear to rob you of your ability to have a substantial life full of Mm well-being. That's what we want to help you to understand and learn how to do. It's what we exist to do as an organization, Mm -hmm. but we want to make that very clear to you. You don't have to continue to live that way, but you do have to be able to identify the ways in which Mm -hmm. you allow unhealthy fear to rule your life. Mm -hmm. There are very strategic things that will help you Mm -hmm. to remove unhealthy fear, but you, what I would challenge you to is you also need to be open to what some of those things would be. Here's an example. If you think this life is all there is, that it begins and ends here, and your view of eternity or something bigger than yourself exists, uh, doesn't like that that doesn't exist, that you shouldn't think about life that way, that mm-hmm. this is it. You're going to be fearful. It's going to put you in a position to you're constantly guarding and protecting and trying to make sure that you get everything you can because you got one time around mm-hmm. and that's it. And you got to make the most out of it. Sounds stressful, Ben. And here's the thing. Whew. Other thing is because we know that the world can be dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. That could end at any moment. Right. That's just a recipe mm-hmm. for anxiety and stress and fear and all kinds of other things. Mm-hmm. Because how do you know? How do you protect yourself enough to make sure you stay alive? Right. And you get everything you want. So so one way to potentially overcome fear is to, to believe in something bigger than yourself. To believe that you're not really in control. That could create a lot of freedom. As if there isn't enough in our world that tells us every day that we're not in control. No, But the thought that you have to seize control is overwhelming. So I have another piece of advice. Here's another one. And I made reference to this briefly in the last episode. I want to dig into it a little bit here. Is this concept that it takes a bigger fear to drive out a smaller fear. So think about that for a second. A lot of the fears that we experience in life... um, they're all different sizes. Some feel yeah. bigger than others. Some are more paralyzing than others. Right. But what if you had a greatest fear that could kind of overcome all the other ones? Mm. So for example, I mentioned like about the house fire, you know, a, a fear, sure. you go buy houses on fire, your fear for your own safety is, is a concern, but that feels smaller than your fear for someone losing their life. Mm-hmm. So you're driven by a greater fear to go help that person the greater fear drives out the smaller one. Mm. So in this situation, if you could have a greater fear, a higher fear of something bigger than you, then maybe you wouldn't be so afraid of all the smaller fears. Mm -hmm. So case in point, back to what you just said, Mm -hmm. if you fear God, like if if God is out there and he's in control and you have a healthy respect and fear for him, which you allow him to be God and you're not, him to be control and you surrender that control, your fear of God is greater than perhaps your fear of man 
or what yeah. people can do to you. Your fear of what could happen tomorrow is gone because maybe you do trust that God controls that. Mm -hmm. God's numbered your days. God won't let anything happen that is outside of his control. Mm -hmm. You're not going to live a day longer or a day lesser than you're supposed to. That actually, that fear of God in that situation, trust in him, fear and respect for him, actually might overcome all the other fears that are pervading your life. Especially if it's the respect for God and his character and yeah. the elements of the character are things like God is safe. God is good. God is loving. Right. He's a protector. Right. He's a refuge. He cares about me. And if you respect that and you believe that, right, that overcomes and overwhelms the other fears if, that, that tend to pervade our lives that, that are actually much smaller than that. Because right? it is a natural next question if you, if you throw God on the table to go, okay, well, what kind of God are we talking about? Mm -hmm. And if it is well, a God it, who is a protector, what is who a is God a refuge, who isn't powerful, right? True. I mean, I think everyone's conception of God is that this, this God, whether he's the God of the Bible or whatever else, is more powerful than us. And I think every teaching on God, and, and at least on the monotheistic religions, mm -hmm is an exalting God. It's one who does have sovereignty and control. Mm -hmm. So all the views of, of God, at least in monotheistic religions, is that the God is powerful. And then if you can also presume and conclude that that God is also good, mm -hmm. then suddenly I'm not so afraid of everything that's small in this world because if God is loving and he is powerful, then I guess I can relax. Oh, I, and you bring up such a good point because just by introducing the idea of God being good yeah. in a world full of evil, because mm -hmm. I don't know that there's anybody that would look around and said that there isn't bad things or evil things that happen in the world. Well, how do you reconcile that? Right. Well, if God is good... And you understand his character. Here, mm -hmm. There's another one. Here's the reason I love the fact that God's all-knowing. What that tells me, he's got all the answers. He knows everything. Mm -hmm. I don't have to have those. It relieves me a lot of stress. I don't have yeah. to have it all figured out. Yeah. I don't have to have the fear, potentially, that I might get it wrong. And it's not even just acknowledging that, okay, if he's there and he's, he's sovereign and he's good, that puts me at ease. I don't have to be as scared now of what happens mm -hmm. in my life. It's under his control, and he, he protects me. He has everything under his control, and that, that gives me reassurance. Not just that, but also then what he tells me, what he says is true as well. So what it says, like, for example, in the Bible is that if you believe God and you trust in him, then there's something called life after death. Mm -hmm. So therefore, there's a future like death is the scariest thing. Like death is, is treated right. in the Bible as the ultimate enemy. Mm -hmm. What if you're not even afraid of that? Like, what if you could live life unafraid of death? Because what's on the other side of it is even better. Suddenly, this, the f death feels much smaller. It's not powerful in your life anymore because it no longer controls you and instills fear in you because it isn't the end. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting to take this uh, to a different place. And like one of the more popular views today, if people say they're not going to believe in God, but they want to believe in something bigger, mm -hmm. like they say they believe in the universe. And so like right. now the universe is in control of your life. Mm -hmm. Well, with evil in the world. And all of the horrible things that happen sometimes, if that happens to you, mm -hmm. how do you make sense of that? It's like, man, the universe is really treating you poorly. 
What did you do wrong? Mm. It kind of ends up coming back to you anyway. Right. You're not able to release control. You're constantly going to be worried and fearful about whether you're making the universe happy or not. Well, and that's the thing about the universe too, is it's very impersonal. The universe very is not cold, a being. Very cold, very distant, very it's impersonal. It's just, it's like yes. this blob out in the, you know, who knows what it is? You can't even define it. So the universe, we say the universe because we're afraid to say God, perhaps, you know, but yeah. if it's the universe, honestly, if, if the universe is not an agent or a person that has a heart, then I can't connect. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, just saying the universe for me doesn't give me a lot of comfort. It actually makes me feel like if there if there's a universe in control and it's not a person, then why why would it even think of me or why would I even matter? Yeah. But if it's a personal God who actually notices me and cares about me and yes, makes us in his image mm-hmm. and he's mindful of me, as it says in the Bible in, in, in Psalm chapter eight, he, who is, who am I that God is mindful of me, a little person. But when I know that he is mindful of me, oh my gosh, Ben, all my fears melt away. And then it goes on to say that he actually created us a little lower than himself. It's a big That's deal. How much we matter. Yeah. It, he gave us authority over the exactly. world. He said, I'm going to give you dominion over all things. God seems to think pretty highly of us. So in the created order, if we're at the top of that order, I think he's probably got good things in store for us. So the world isn't so scary when you believe that God has good plans for you. Yeah. Not just in this life, but the next one. And in fact, it was Jesus who said that he came to not just give life, but give abundant life. Yeah. That's promising to a me. rich and satisfying life. Is that one of sounds the, yeah. to, to really happiness. So that God's intention is is mm. goodness and happiness. So when you believe that and you embrace that, the world and all of its fears aren't so scary anymore. And so if you go back and erase everything we just said and eliminate the conversation about something bigger or God and His character, and then you're left in this life without any of that. What are you left with? Mm. One of the things, a crippling fear becomes the fear of man. Yes. This is naturally where this leads Mm -hmm. because other human beings can be very dangerous. Yeah. And what ultimately what you're left with is a competition for power and conquest. Yeah. The most dominant win. It becomes survival of the fittest. Mm -hmm. It becomes in many ways. And this is one of the ways that I see it playing itself out today is in psychological situations, mental health and the emotional struggles that are people having. It's like this social Darwinism. Anybody that can deal with the pressure, Mm -hmm. that can handle it, the drive and has enough tenacity, enough ambition to fight the fight of competitive society, they'll survive. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that you're not going to survive. Yep. That's all you have if there's not something bigger than you. Well, that's it. Is you, the fight. And it is just, it's all competition then. It's about really one-upping everybody else. So here's the thing. People are afraid of other people. Afraid of what they would do or what they're not going to do. Mm-hmm. Afraid. In fact, I just read something this morning that people are afraid to speak their mind these days because of what it's going to do. Of course. It's going to create friction and conflict and maybe even attack. Well, we've been educated very well by by media yeah. as to what happens to people who speak their mind mm-hmm. and it doesn't agree with the status quo. Yeah. Like there is things that go down. 
This is where we get cancel culture from. That's right. Like you can't have an opposing right. view. You're afraid to go against the grain, to disagree. Um, you're afraid to reform anything because everything is the way it is for a reason. If the culture agrees, well, who are you to argue with it? Th- that's a scary situation. And this is another example of the fact that if you fear God, that overwhelms the fear of man. Because here's the thing. If God doesn't exist, all I have is my fellow man. Mm -hmm. I care desperately to be liked by them. I feel desperately I want to be accepted by them. So I will do whatever it takes. And that's scary. Whatever it takes to remain part of the group, to remain acceptable. Right. That's a scary place. But what if I believe it doesn't matter if anybody likes me? It doesn't matter whether they accept me. It doesn't matter whether they recognize my value and dignity or not. Because God says I have value. Yeah, and you're driven to, in, in a, a scenario like that, you're driven to the real primal instincts of human beings of just wanting to collect in community because that's the only thing that it that there is. That's it. Of any significance. You stay in the herd. The to worst be thing. Isolated to be is cast that. out, to starve and die. Right. That's the problem. If you go back in ancient history, that's how you survive was by staying in the group. And the group if you sin against the group or upset the group, they could cast you out and that meant certain death. Mm. Isolation and death. So being part of something is where we get our value and our acceptance. But what if you didn't have to live in fear? Of being cast out. And so this brings this brings us to a really interesting point, just in the way some of the things are functioning. Like we've talked about this a lot in previous podcasts, the crisis of loneliness in society. It's bad. And epidemics of individualism, although being the best individual you possibly possibly could be is kind of touted as good these yeah. days. Yeah. Well, we just discussed right here that that is not good. To be an individual, to be alone, right. especially in a world that doesn't have anything bigger, the only thing that matters is being in uh, a community and accepted. So conformity is the key. In a weird way, the most yeah. unhealthy form of fear and thing for you is being promoted as good today. Be your best individual and yeah. you end up lonely. Yeah. That's not helpful. Yeah, we've already shared in this podcast many times over the problem of loneliness and isolation. It kills. But it's being driven by this because we know what we're really doing is we're casting people out of our herds. If you look about like life, how many friends did you used to have? You know what I mean? Mm. How many of us have had relationships we no longer have? We're always slicing and dicing. We're always including and removing. Always, people like pass through our lives and through conflict and disagreement and argument mm-hmm. and brokenness, we're always like keeping track of who no longer belongs with us. So it's always deciding who's in and who's out. Mm. That's exhausting. It's very stressful. And trying to decide what groups do I belong to? Finding your tribe is like everything these days. Yeah, who will accept me? Who will accept me? Who do mm-hmm. I belong to? Where do I fit? Is one of the fundamental questions of life. What if you could transcend that? And it's not about whether you fit or not. Mm. What if your worth, your dignity, your purpose, and your value was given to you intrinsically by somebody else yeah. rather than having to seek it and get approval from everybody else? Right. So we live in a world that is dominated by the fear of man, the fear of other people, because we so desperately want to be accepted. But what if you didn't have to live according to that? And the truth is your value and worth is assigned to you. Yeah. That's what we believe. We actually talk about this as Can't we get be stripped away. further into the days yeah. in, in the book Mega Life. We talk about this very specific mm-hmm. thing. 
Your value and worth is assigned to you from other places. That's right. It can't not be that way. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to. And nothing can change that. Right. Whether somebody agrees or not. And so your view of that and how that works and operates. Mm-hmm. I mean, in our world today, a lot of what assigns value and worth to people is very cold. Right. It's data and metrics. Yeah. What if you could get up every day and say, you know what, whether the world accepts me or rejects me, whether I succeed or fail, mm-hmm. whether I, um, I, I've had a good day or a bad day has nothing to do with my value as a human being, Yeah. with my purpose and my dignity, right. my, uh, nothing to do with it. It cannot be taken from me. Then you know what you do? Live without fear. Then you live without fear. Exactly. And that's where we're getting you to. That's the whole point of this book is to drive you to a place where you're able to look fear in the face, unhealthy fear, and to have the real calibration in your life to know how to not succumb to it, to know how to have true understanding of who you really are, why you matter, and why you don't have to be afraid anymore. And what we call those people, we call them heroes. That's right. It's people who are able to stand in the face of fear, Mm -hmm. real fear, Mm -hmm. and have the kind of character and integrity and belief and the things that matter. Mm -hmm. It's why we like Marvel and the Avengers and superheroes. It's why we're attracted to those kinds of things because we know that that is a valuable quality to life. Right. And it's it's not cheap. Mm -hmm. It costs you something. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what we can aspire to be is in certain ways. And I don't want to sound cheesy as like being a, everyone can be a hero, but what does it actually mean? It's the way to confront fear. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy thing to do. It makes you the hero of your own story. And you talk about the best version of yourself. Well, guess what? <laughs> the best version of yourself is one who's unafraid. Hey, so you're bringing really specific mm-hmm. layers to that. I haven't been able to find people who give me good definitions for that, but maybe we go on and create the list of things that are the best version of self. One is the ability to confront unhealthy fear. That's right. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere. Maybe there is a best version. So this is just scratching the surface. We're going to spend many more episodes on mega life and how to overcome fear in your life. And this is a big deal. So what we're going to be doing is getting into the text of the book. We're going to go day by day and talk about the content. So if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to go to Amazon and purchase yourself a copy of mega life. One word, mega life. How to Live Without Fear, published by the Love and Transformation Institute. And right now, the book is on promo. You can get it at a discount on Amazon in soft copy, hardback, or even digital versions. You can get it, pick it up, follow along, get copies for a group of people, do it with your friends. Come along with us. We're going to work on this together, and we're going to help you become free from unhealthy fear. So thanks for joining us on this podcast. We're looking forward to doing more work with you. We're glad you joined us on The Growth Junkies, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Growth Junkies podcast. Go follow us on Instagram and Facebook to join the community and check out the Four Dimensions book on Amazon or through our website, loveandtransformation.org. We also have a new book coming out soon, so keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, continue growing.